and welcome back to The Rewind. I'm Josh, and this is a podcast where I watch a bunch of movies and talk about them with my friends. Today's episode is about Bradley Cooper's Maestro. Join me today. She would never leave Snoopy in the vestibule. It's Maya. Maya, how's it going? What's up, Josh? Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you, too. I, people are probably going to be listening to this like a week into 2024, but we were doing it right before, uh, right, right at the end of 2023, getting it in under the wire for one of the more anticipated movie releases of 2023. Uh, Maya joined me five years ago for A Star is Born, Bradley Cooper's directorial debut, and uh, he he put a lot of time into making sure he got his next one, got his next film right where he wanted it. So it was a long, a long wait. He uh, he said in all of his interviews, he took six years to make this movie. And now it's finally here. It's going to it's, it's now on Netflix for everyone to see. I was lucky enough to catch it in theaters a couple of weeks ago and highly recommend that if you have the chance, though, I don't know if Netflix is going to let it hang around that long, though. It got a wider theatrical release than I should. Uh, my show is about. Uh, I, I don't even want to necessarily call it a biopic, uh, but it, but it, well, that's how it's been commonly described. But it's about uh, famed composer and uh, conductor Leonard Bernstein. Uh, it, it it but it doesn't. It's not exactly your typical cradle to the grave biopic. It starts in 1943 when he is 25 years old, and uh, I just got the call up to be an assistant as the assistant conductor to the New York Philharmonic. He gets the call up to actually uh, make his conducting debut. And uh, but it's not like it just like goes straight through the, all the way through. Actually, it starts at the, at the end of his life when he's kind of given an interview talking about his relationship with his wife, Felicia, played by Carrie Mulligan. Uh, but, you know, you get to see Bradley Cooper in a lot of stages of his life and a lot of different types of makeup, which we're going to talk about, too. But, yeah, it, it starts at the end of his life, goes back to when he gets to be the conductor of the New York Philharmonic. And then just it, it, it kind of follows him as he meets his uh, fiance or it me, meets his future wife, played by uh, Carrie Mulligan, Felicia Montalegre, who is a who's an actress and uh, follows follows her as they kind of form a family, but then have a lot of different ups and downs due to, you know, the demands of his job and his uh, sexual indiscretions uh, and infidelities and uh, and just uh, it, it puts a lot of strain on them and we get to see that marriage and how it's tested as his life goes on. Uh, my I, I know um, I mean aside from it being another Bradley Cooper movie, uh, this one uh, I, I thought it'd be good to talk to you about this one because you're kind of, I should have I didn't introduce you as our theater correspondent. I consider you one of our theater correspondents and I think what a lot of people know Leonard Bernstein most for is like being the guy that composed West Side Story. Among, among among some other plays but you know it's funny they, they talk a little bit of in the movie about how like that kind of work is almost kind of looked down upon sometimes in the musical community when you could be like you know conducting a fancy orchestra I, I i didn't know anything about that but like you know there's a version of this movie that as, as as i described it is like a much more like cradle to the grave type of biopic where it's like here's where he first picks up the baton and here's where he like goes to school and here's where he gets the new york philharmonic and here's where he is actually go, doing the work of composing this thing and oh yeah here's where he meets his wife and here's some stuff they do but uh, they've been talking about this movie as like much more a movie about a marriage. Uh, and like, sure, there is some music in it. There's Bradley Cooper learned at great painstaking detail how to conduct, which he says he's wanted to do since he was eight years old. And there's uh, multiple big scenes where he is doing that in the movie, including uh, one at the, uh, uh, I think it's the Ellie Cathedral. Shoot, I meant to check that, but uh, it's a cathedral in England that he has a, a I think it's, a it's like called like the, the weird cathedral, something like that. I know what you're talking about. Well, yeah, no, the, um, yeah, no, it's E L Y. I, I, sorry, I didn't know if it's L E or L E L Y. Yeah. But in 1973, he, uh, you know, he had he had a big show there. Where he conducted uh, Mahler's Resurrection Symphony. Apparently, in a legendary performance there. We see that, so you get to see some of that stuff, but not necessarily him at work that much. 
And so it, it, it ends up being in some ways, yes, a story about a marriage, but you know about, about a lot of other things at the same time. But I'm curious as you, as someone that like is a big theater nerd and, uh, and, you know, probably, uh, you know, feel some kind of way about some of the songs in West Side Story and maybe some of the other works he is known for. But as someone who also really, I think, liked this movie from what you've told me so far, I'm wondering, like, did you come into this kind of wanting something to be much more about the music? And even if that was the case, I know you liked the movie. So what did you ultimately like? What was the big reason why you came away from it liking the movie, even if it wasn't necessarily a movie about, you know, making musical theater? So I'll tell you that this is probably going to be a very unpopular opinion. Hmm. Um, because as a fan of Bernstein and also, you know, as somebody who is is a, a Jewish woman who's a very big fan of the, you know, the, the works that he also did that highlight his own Jewish heritage, hmm. West Side Story is one of, I listen to it when I need to listen to somebody that something that will make me weep. Um, and I, I'm saying that genuinely. The reason why I watched this movie is because of Bradley Cooper. It wasn't because of Leonard Bernstein. I was very taken aback by when we did A Star is Born by his prowess and how he was able to um, command the camera. And I was really excited to see what he can do with, essentially, it's, it's an art piece that he's trying to do. Um, he, he's trying to highlight, you know, a very, um, you know, a very larger than life person. And he's trying to embody that person in addition to, um, in addition to creating a, a beautiful film. I thought he did a great job of, of doing that. And even to the point where I read an article that Scorsese and Spielberg were also both considered to direct until they saw Star Wars Born. They said, you need hmm. to do this. Yeah. And some of the camera, some of the camera work that he did in that movie. And what comes to mind is when that, Felicia, that movie. Being, okay. Just, okay. This movie, I was I'm, I'm talking, I'm talking about Maestro. Yeah, yeah. Um, what, what comes to mind is when Felicia is looking at him and you see the shadow of him composing over her, mm. that shot can live rent free in my brain. It was beautiful. I, I thought that he treated this movie very beautifully. I thought that the acting was very strong. And yes, for everyone who's listening to it, I know it's Oscar bait. So was the artist. I still don't understand why people don't like the artist. I thought it was a beautiful movie. And I thought that this did a very good job of embodying, you know, what a movie like The Artist did, which is the classic feeling of Hollywood. For the first 45 minutes of the movie, it feels like a classic, punchy Hollywood film. And then it it evolves over time into, in my opinion, um, it it's like the way that he he filmed and the way that he directed evolves with the years and the decades that they were trying to capture. I thought that was a really interesting choice. I thought his entire his entire take on Leonard Bernstein's life was was it was interesting that he chose to focus mostly on the love story. And I put that in quotations. They they had a, a very long standing marriage, uh, three children who, um, you know, are gleeful over his portrayal in the movie, gleeful over the portrayal of his relationship with his mother. Um, and if anybody is a naysayer saying that they should have focused on anything else, 
you're not his family. If his family appreciates and they stand by this, to me, that's the only endorsement that I need. Yeah, um, well, I, I haven't even heard that many people complaining. I think people like when someone does something different from a traditional biopic because they're kind of tired, especially music ones. Yeah. Uh, but like, it's just, I, I just knew you're someone that really likes music and uh, probably a lot of his music. So I didn't know if you were like coming into it, hoping for something more about the making of his music or something like that. But it seems I, like you were just so impressed by the filmmaking that you were just, yeah, you were cool with it. I, I came up in mind that I was, I was very, the one thing that I was hoping is that they would, um, you know, put in some of his more famous works and like intertwine it somehow and they actually did it almost felt like a musical in a way because there are certain moments where just playing in the background um they're just some of his works things that he composed things that he conducted just that's the background music almost every single song I'm pretty sure if not every single song was either something that he composed or he conducted you have on the waterfront you have on the town you have our town you have uh, and my, I think my favorite scene that I started like dancing in my seat was when they're all getting, it was, um, Leonard and two of his friends, I don't yeah, remember who it was, are getting friend. out of the car. It was, yeah, I was going to say played by Gideon Glick, who mm. I'll just talk about him at, at a moment. I, he needs his own segment just for, mm. in my, in my opinion, needs his own segment. Mm. Um, the, just the casting choices need their own segment, mm. but um, but when they're getting out of the car and the background is is an instrumental from West Side Story. Yeah, the Sharks and the Jets like <laughs> thing, yeah. It was it was amazing. It was so so good. And I, I love how they they integrated that. Um we're obviously culminating with the pivotal scene of him conducting in the cathedral, mm. which I and my, my I'm gonna say my husband. This is not his type of a film. He's like, mm. I understand why you like it. It's not my thing. But he is a musician. Mm. And what he told me is if the entire movie could have been exactly like that, I think I would have liked it more. Um, and well, I exactly like what? what he's saying. Like when the like the conducting scene, the famous, the oh, pivotal oh, that, conducting scene. Okay, that scene. scene. Okay, yeah, yeah. Where yeah, he yeah. did everything unbroken. The acting, I mean, if you look at him side by side with an actual video of leonard bernstein conducting i mean it's it's spot on his mannerisms are, are spot on i can understand that people were thirsting for more of that i i don't know i i tend to understand that when you're capturing somebody's life there's more to somebody's you know there's more to an artist's life than their art um, so, so I haven't heard that many people complaining about not seeing the art. Again, I just asked you that because like, I didn't know if that was what, what you came in excited for. I've heard more people complaining about his performance, actually. And you kind of noted it a little bit before where you said, oh, no, it's yeah, maybe in some ways it's Oscar bait. I've heard some people saying like, oh, you need to give this guy an Oscar. He's trying so hard. This performance is a lot. But by all accounts, like Bernstein himself was a larger than life character that like might have come across exactly. as a lot if you met him on the street. If any, if anything, I'm pretty sure that Leonard Bernstein is, you know, looking from wherever he is and saying, "Yeah, that's exactly how I would have done it." <laughs> Are you kidding me? <laughs> so you, so you like the performance because that's the biggest I, thing. I love the Tuscan performance. Yeah. I, I love the performance. I mean, is is he going to get the Oscar? He's maybe he's, you and you and I had this conversation be, between Oppenheimer and and Maestro. Um, the the strong male lead is very apparent, but. I'm not gonna lie. I think some some dark horse third party is going to get it. I don't know who. Let's see when the nominations come out. But I don't think it's gonna be either of them. I don't know why. 
Uh, I mean, there's, I mean, it's a, it's a pretty impressive year. I mean, I'll say that. Like, I mean, I think, but I think it, I mean, a lot of people, it can, I mean, it could be any of Bradley Cooper, Paul Giamatti, Killian Murphy, or Jeffrey Wright. I haven't seen American fiction yet. It's one of the big ones I'm still missing. Uh, so yeah, I'm, I'm, I, yeah. So like, there's a, there's, there's a lot of contenders, but like, I, I enjoyed the performance. Like I, I don't, I just kind of assumed, I mean, and I think there's a, like a separate smaller discussion to also be had about uh, if you found the, him using the prosthetic problematic or not, we're two Jews here. A lot of people yeah. didn't like that. that when, when the first stills of the movie started to come out, a lot of people were like, oh, this is really necessary. And, and it's like, I, I, if before, you know, a couple of weeks ago, I couldn't have picked Leonard Bernstein out of a lineup. You know, I knew who he was. It's just, I never had much reason to research him and watch videos of him or whatever. Cause I, I'm not a musician. And uh, yeah, I think he actually did a pretty good job of looking like him, but like, do you need the nose? Maybe not. Nope but it did make him look a lot like him. And what I will say is that like, yeah, I don't think he needed it, but like for whatever reason, as a Jewish person, I have, I, I just, I can't muster up like that much anger about it either. That's, that's how I feel about it. Yeah, no, not necessary. But like, am I going to like, you know, condemn him, condemn the film, like uh, boycott it and get really mad about it. Like I just have more things to do with my time and I can't muster up that much anger at the same time, you know? Yeah. I, I think that, you know, in, in light of the political climate, um, that's that's not the thing that's gonna piss me off these days, man. I'm sorry. Like there there was I thought I thought that um was it unnecessary? Yes. They made some claim about the fact that if he didn't wear the prosthetic, that it was going to make the rest of the prosthetics not work as well or not blend as well. And I'm like that's a kind of a that's a large claim for just substantiating the fact that like, okay, maybe we screwed up a little bit. We didn't really need the prosthetic. Bradley wanted to get very into the character and felt that this authenticated himself more, whatever it is. Um, it, it, it's not lost on me, um, but I'm not going to, to storm the streets about it. I, I think that there's, there's other things in life to be upset about. Than a, than a weird looking prosthetic nose that really didn't deter from from anything else i'll be honest with you yeah i just i, I just wasn't really thinking about it as i was watching the movie so the movie's good enough to take it, it. Place. yeah it's like i mean i knew about it but like i just once i was in it i was into the movie enough that i wasn't really paying much mind to it and i you know i just i i thought it's you know the performance was I mean, if, it was, if yeah. they want to be upset about something, they should be upset at the, the beginning of the movie when he does the prosthetics and he looks like a raisin. Yeah, they could be upset about that. Look, look at how his little like neck jowls look. It looked. Wow. I don't even know if it I looked up vulgar. You, you, mean, you mean you mean the old version of him? Yeah. <laughs> but, but, I mean, I don't think that's like a Jew thing. That's just like a we need to no, throw, throw a bunch his, of old makeup on him. His yeah. neck looked like a like a lady's. You know what is what <laughs> it looks like. That's the thing that people should be. Upset. I, I thought the old person makeup was, was fine too i thought the yeah. i thought that probably the best makeup was probably like the version of him like that was you know between the age he is now and as a bradley cooper is as a person now and bernstein at the end of his life i just thought that like that looked um that looked pretty like when he like like the version he, of him he was at the point at which he did the symphony like i thought that that, oh, that, that whole thing the whole thing comes that. together pretty well i mean there's there are other movies i mean and the, the i think the guy's uh, makeup and hairstyling guy i think it's a cause hero um and he is like known as being like really really is just known as being like the best at doing prosthetics and i just i think the the amount of prosthetics that were like you know yes. they that were that like went into it i think is something that like on a lot of different people with a lesser makeup artist would just like look like a joke and i think it, it, it really it did feel fairly seamless for me for the most part even if again i was aware of the nose but overall like the performance like i, I just 
you know, a lot of people, and you can probably appreciate this. I don't know if you've watched a little bit of the press tour and uh, I meant, I forgot to, I meant to send you like he's done different interviews. He did a directors on directors thing with Spike Lee for variety. There was like a Netflix panel where Steven Spielberg, like talked to him about the movie. And a lot of people are like, you know, like to talk about Bradley Cooper's theater kid energy uh, when he's doing this. Yeah, that's my my segment about, I was going to talk to you about Right. And we already kind of talked about it, but it's like, it's just the theatrics and the exuberance and the, you know, the, all the mannerisms in the performance. Like I just didn't question them because I don't, I didn't know this guy. And I just, I just know how serious he takes it. And I don't think Bradley Cooper is just going to like make stuff up for it. It's just the way I've heard him talk about the movie. It seems like everything was very intentional. He did a ton of research and a ton of prep. And I just kind of assumed like anything that he's doing is probably because he heard that that's what Leonard Bernstein like seemed sounded like. And he just wanted to go along with it. So I was fine with it. And it was never a moment where I was like, this is too much. I know. I, I agree with you. And and he definitely gave big theater kid energy. Um, not not just in in the way that he portrayed this movie, but in the casting choices. And I don't know if he had involvement or he just told the casting director if they're either related to a famous person or they are on Broadway, cast them. Hmm. And that's exactly what happened. I mean, so, who, so besides 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 uh, Gideon Glick and uh, Maya Hawk, who are you referring to? So first of all, just as a quick side note, Maya Hawk and I went to the same theater camp. Oh, you, 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 when we did the theater camp podcast, you did not name drop her as one of the one of the people there. I guess she's a lot younger than you. She, she went with her. She's oh, younger yeah, yeah. than me. Oh yeah, yeah, I forgot. She yeah. was there, so she was there well after the fact. She was there afterwards. Yeah, Man, but so she, talk, she, talk about someone that like had to have been like you know royalty there at that point. You know, I mean uh i mean i feel oh, like I, yeah. I, feel, I feel like at the age beanie felt scene was when she was there with you like that would have been like not like jonah hill was still like pretty early in his career but like you know if, right about like, her if, parents if, or her parents if, 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 yeah if you're there in like 2011 and your parents are ethan hawk and um uma thurman like that's got to be a pretty freaking big deal yeah it was like about like 2015 or so that she was oh, there even so, like, more right so. before yeah. she blew up right before wow. it was right before oh, so she was a girl when she was, was a little older huh it was it was a couple of years before she did the um the movie with um oh my god Harley Quinn Smith right before was it was that the movie no hold on what am I thinking of forget I, think, I said I think, are you thinking about it Stranger right Things Stranger Things I am thinking well, about she, Stranger Things they were wearing was... a similar outfit is what like my brain was making the connection with mm, okay. um it was right right before Stranger Things so yeah. wow. um so so besides her. All three of the kids, by the way, are related to famous actors. Hmm. Um, if you take a look, so obviously Maya Hawk, um, the youngest daughter is a relative of, um, oh, her name is escaping me. I'll think about it. What the the very tall, lanky British actress who can play anybody? Tilda Swinton. Yes. <laughs> That was good. That is that was good. The fact that you knew exactly who I was talking about. Not that many yes. tall, like you, British actresses. Um, I know, but she can do. She can play anybody. I'm thinking in my head. I'm just like she's just a chameleon. Yeah, oh, she's oh, Tilda oh, okay. Swinton's oh, like cousin or niece. Um, and then That's the son true. is is also his. Both of his parents are famous. Um, I don't remember the name of his parents, but um, oh. so all three of those kids. So put them to the side. Mm-hmm. Um. All of the male figures are theater actors. Michael mm. Urie at the beginning oh, of the yeah, movie yeah, is yeah. currently in Spamalot. And also, uh-huh. if you've ever seen Ugly Betty, 
he's been amazing. Yeah, he's also on shrinking um, on Apple TV Plus right now, so he's popping. Yeah, he was incredible. He was it was incredible. But I can't. I'm seeing him in Spam a lot in February when I'm. He is part of the reason why I'm going. Um, huge fan of his. Very very storied Broadway career. We also have. I, mean, I guess um, Matt, Matt, Matt Bomer. Bomer. Yeah, I guess he got, did get his start in the stage. I didn't. I didn't. I I saw him in Boys in the Band. He was incredible. Mm, okay. And then we have my my bestie. I love him, and everything that he's in, I automatically like more because he's in Gideon Glick. Anybody who's never seen this man sing, just YouTube him. YouTube him in Spring Awakening. YouTube him doing anything. He recently was on Broadway in um, One a, Flew like Over a, the Cuckoo's Nest. I think you might mean To Kill a Mockingbird. Yes, I do mean To Kill a Mockingbird. <laughs> he, apparently, he played, he played, he played <laughs> Dill in um, Aaron it's, Sorkin's It's been a very long month. <laughs> <laughs> it's different different bird long. things. I can see how you uh, get that a little messed up. Um, uh, yeah. Josh, honestly, like uh, this is this has been a crazy month. My the fact that I'm even awake doing this podcast and not actually asleep right now i did this extra early for you <laughs> <laughs> um but no i so yeah it, it, i i think i think to, to answer one one of your questions i think bradley cooper definitely does have a hand in the cast i'm sure he has a casting director that helps him with it but like yeah i think he gets some credit for that too as the director i'm sure he had a lot of say over a lot of different parts of this even uh if you so martin scorsese and steven Spielberg were both co-producers at one but different points scorsese was going to do it Spielberg was going to do it and then as you said he passed it on to Bradley Cooper. So he had those guys as, uh, there for resources if he needed them to be. And I'm sure he had his own casting director too. But yeah, like I think he, I, th- I do think the movie is well cast. I don't know if it's the, I, I'm not, I haven't thought enough about it to know if it'll, you know, get like an ensemble nomination at the SAG Awards or something like that. But like, I, really I, th- I think it should be meant so. for something. It, 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 that, that award should be meant for stuff like this where like, you know, there's just a deep cast of characters that like all have their, all have moments where they get to, you know, just, uh, I don't, I don't want to say shine, not like everyone gets an Oscar moment, but it's just everyone makes sense, and that you, you there's never a moment where it's like, oh, that person sticks out like a sore thumb. I just think that everyone, everyone, even like there's the side character. I don't remember the name of the character, um, but it was, she, it's a married couple, not the woman who was singing, the other one, um, played by someone named Miriam Shore, who was in um, Hedwig and the Angry Inn. She was the the male slash female lead if you've seen the movie or show you know what i'm talking about um i think everybody was very intentionally done and there was a whole point that i was sort of getting to this though um because leonard bernstein's entire you know life surrounded not just the theater but art and music as a whole the way that they sort of staged this it felt like a play mm-hmm. it genuinely did just like the the um like the over dramatization of everything, everyone you can say is in a way like overacting because it felt like I was watching a play. And I actually think that this would be very well performed as a play, you know, with with those little musical hints and everything, because he had such an impact on that industry that it only makes sense that people who have benefited from or grew up with or were influenced by his music had some form of a role in in this they 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 can sort of they can convey and portray um what i think bradley cooper's vision was in that sort of way because he's thinking in the mind of a theater geek what Mm -hmm. what are what do people what do people need to see they're the people who are not theater people they know nothing of this world um and it is it is a kind of world where literally they they write they write prose and people just break out in song 
and it's normal. And everyone else who's watching around, there is no suspension of disbelief. They're like, yeah, no, that's that's normal. So making a movie like Maestro, where you have to sort of bring bring in these, you know, ethereal characterizations in a way, they're real people, they're real stories. But I can't even imagine that any of those conversations happen like that. At the end of the movie where he's conducting the younger guy and then they, they break out into applause and then they just shift to a scene where they're dancing in a nightclub that also happens to be the same stage that they were just on. Did that see, doesn't happen in real life. Did you see Tar last year? Any chance? I did see Tar. It, it was so... Well, so I, I couldn't stop thinking about Tar when I was watching this movie. Well, it's a little weird. Yeah, well, understandably, but it's a little, and he's even a figure in Tar, even if he's not in Tar himself uh, as a yes. character. But like the, I mean, part of Tar is that this woman's downfall is because she's kind of just like uh, she's ahead of these different orchestras and she's just like picking people out and just and straight up grooming them, I guess, and like trying yeah. to like play favoritism and you know eventually form improper relationships and like. This movie doesn't just kind of shows him doing the same thing, but doesn't really take the time to, you know, say if that's okay or not. Uh, at least at the end, which is kind of interesting, you know. Um, I, I feel like it's it's different though. I don't feel like I feel like in Tar, it was meant to say that she was being predatory, and then yeah. in, in Maestro, it was just that, you know, at the point after his his wife passed, um, you know, he was able to live freely as a homosexual man yeah but there's still a power that's, imbalance that's when it's like students yeah but that, definitely but like there's still a power imbalance when it's a student teacher thing uh oh i felt that it was implied that that was an ongoing thing <laughs> that that was oh. something oh I, yeah. I, I i thought it was like when when, when he like i thought he just like kind of went and found that guy after he'd been teaching him i didn't know that was like an, that had no been, the, the entire the entire class they were on the actual stage of the of the same exact place that they were before if you take a look there's the classroom seats Oh, but yeah, no, but I, I, I guess I just kind of took it. We're talking about the end, right? Yeah. No, I'm talking about. If you, but yeah, if but, you but, look, but but, but, but it was like the same auditorium. Yeah, but like right before that, it's like you see him pulling up there. It almost looks like to teach that class for the first time at that place. Like I didn't, I didn't necessarily get the impression it had been like he had had a long relationship with those students. No, I, I, I don't think that he was just like necessarily coming up. I think that his, he was just passing on. And, and like I said, obviously, I, I, I think that. There's there's clearly like a correct answer and we're just kind of debating it. I don't know. Um, it, it, I don't know what the correct answer is, but right. In in any event, like I think uh, to go back to what you're saying before, though, I think they they did give you even if you didn't necessarily see them composing a lot of the music or anything like that. I thought they did give you a good glimpse inside the world. Uh, you know, in, in, first of all, the talking about how you're impressed with him flexing his muscles as a director, the the opening scene of the earlier timeline where he wakes up in bed and then it's like the day he gets the philharmonic position with the New York philharmonic position. Like that's like that long tracking shot through the entire um, uh, theater is uh, it was, it was like him, like uh, just being like, yeah, look, I can do this uh, right off the bat. Like, yes, Spielberg gave this to me, but like, you know, don't feel like you're in bad hands. I can handle this. Uh, And like that, that was cool. But then like right after that, you see, like you see a lot of them in the room together and I guess they, they kind of refer there's like a callback to that moment earlier where it's like, Oh, you're, you're afraid to go to the bathroom because you might be by yourself. But like he's in the bathroom and he leaves the door open and they're all just like talking and like doing their thing and like composing and writing and talking about it and stuff like that. And it's like, and I think, you know, it's from what I've gathered, like he might've had his own, this might've also been his own community of like other people that were, you know, uh, kind of also closeted. And yeah. uh, so it's like, it, 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 it definitely was. 
very tight knit group of guys, but at the same time, like responsible for a lot of great works, it seems like, and very, and, you know, just, uh, did, did a pretty, uh, made, made, made a lot of contributions. And I, I, so I, I thought they get a pretty good sense of what his life was like at that point in his life when he was, you know, just kind of bursting with creativity at the early part of his career. And I thought they like did a good, and so I, I, I appreciated seeing that side of it. And yeah, as it goes on, it focuses on the marriage, but if nothing else, even if we're not like immersed in the in the making of all this stuff, like I thought they at least did a decent job of just conveying like what what that what it was to be around that world, even if we're not in that world for like long stretches of the movie. Yeah, no, I I, I actually have nothing to add to that. I agree one hundred percent. I thought that they they really brought you in, and then, they, it, it, they caught you up to speed quickly. Yeah, but then soon after that, like, and he's still hanging out with those people. Was like the party where he does meet Felicia. And speaking of other good shots, I appreciated the shot where she like just walks up to the party the first time. That felt like something out of an old Hollywood movie, kind of like you were talking about earlier. Uh, it reminded just, me also of La La Land. I don't know why. No, I could see that too. There's some scenes where um, where they're like some where she's walking on the street in La La Land. But so so you see that, and then you kind of see them uh, come together in the early stages of the relationship. And I, it's it's obviously really important to like watch them fall in love to the extent they do, because a lot of the back half of the movie is about you know them falling out of love but also like you know he's still pretty devoted to her and then he keeps uh and takes care of her in the later stages of his life so again this I, is, i'll disagree with one thing i don't think that they ever necessarily fell out of love i think that their love just transformed into something different i'd agree with that yeah i i, I yeah no I, I definitely agree with that i probably could have chose my words a little better it's just you know yeah it wasn't a traditional traditional marriage in the in, in the sense that you think of it uh as but like um i guess again it, that becomes a big part of the movie it's just like and funny enough they're like you know similar to a star is born like both people in the couple are creative people of some sort and you know they experience certain different kind of strains on the marriage uh meeting the demands of their career however i i, I want to talk a little bit about like felicia's career in, in, you know in the context of this but i'm wondering for you uh what, what did you what, what what did you think about like how the movie wanted to go about showing uh okay here is the strain that it takes on you when you're like married to a genius because they talk about his genius a lot and uh every, the, 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 what it means to just be burdened with that and always need to be doing something and being around other people and you know and always on the run like that th that is kind of Lenny's complaint and I it, I I I I venture to say it's probably pretty accurate a lot of the stuff in here because like you said they Bradley Cooper worked in close collaborate close collaboration with the family like they really they're not that they got final cut of the movie but like I think like they, they they trusted him with the story and by all accounts they were are fine with how it turned out so I think you know he wasn't going anywhere that was out of bounds so what did you think about like how how they depicted this marriage and what that had to say about like you know what it means to be like married to someone like Leonard Bernstein I I, I think that you know what I found interesting is the the way that that's positioned completely, mm -hmm. and they they kind of discuss it in the movie that Felicia had her own career before she ever met Leonard, and she put that to the wayside the second that she ended up marrying him and his career started taking off. Right, and not not to mention the fact that Bradley Cooper, I thought it was very apt in a way, and I think that the, I think that maybe his that Leonard Bernstein's family felt the same way. Bradley Cooper's daughter was the younger daughter when she was a baby, like a a, a child, like the, the five-year-old girl. That's his mm. daughter. He cast mm. her in the movie. 
And oh. I found it very apt that the scenes where they're depicting that, and, and br- it's bringing it to your question, where they're filming the segment um, saying, like, how do you feel, you know, married to this genius? And then you see his daughter looking in the background. I I thought that there, there was a very strong metaphor in that scene because mm. it is not easy having your life entangled with somebody who is it's not just what they do and it's not just the art that they put out but it's everything that follows with that and they they did show a comparison between felicia and her own broadway career her her own tv that she was doing and it just it never really had the same effect um not to mention the fact that you know on top of everything she did everything right she was a patient wife. She was a good mother. Um, and I felt that the way that they sort of allegorically brought in her cancer diagnosis was they were saying, okay, well, you'll be, you'll be done in a week. You'll be able to go back to your career. You'll be able to go back to the stage. And I thought that that was very, like, in comparison to a man who was nearly godlike, in terms of his impact on that community, it it didn't show that there was necessarily a power imbalance in terms of you know his career versus her career, but it showed that basically that in a way her her light was dimmed because his had to shine, and she never let it get her her down, and at the point where he realized that that had happened. He only I think that 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 I, I'm trying to I'm trying to sort of like kind of make the connection in my head, but he never realized that the impact that it had on her until she got sick. Oh. And I think that the statement that he meant made to her saying, you are always going to be the person who I cherish the most. You are the mother of my children. You are my wife of 30 plus years was and this actually happened in real life when she got sick he was actually not leaving living in new york he was living in california he moved Mm -hmm. back he moved in with her and cared for her until she died Mm -hmm. and and i thought that and i thought that that could have been the reason why that was his focus it was on his family and it was on his his marriage because in spite of everything else. And like, I think that the dichotomy is there for a reason. People expect a movie about Leonard Bernstein to be about his work, but there was more to him than that. He had so many layers. He was, he was a person with a family and a wife and salacious affairs, all of that for sure. But this movie doesn't have to be fun this movie has to be real and true. And very clearly, his family felt that this depicted who he really was, not just the person that people watched on TV when they were le- le- um, learning how to conduct with Leonard Bernstein. Um, mm-hmm. It was it was more than that to some people. Well, so, they, I, yeah, they show her, well, they do show her working a little bit, you know, towards like during their marriage. And I, the only thing is like, I would have, I kind of wanted more of that. Um, cause it is clear, like I, I as you've been talking, I, I just, cause I was curious when I pulled up like her IMDb and mm-hmm. it's like, 
uh, and they got married in 1951. And like, I think she probably did some other stage stuff and whatnot, or who knows things that might just not have made it to IMDb before then. But like more of her credits are post their marriage than after, but there's not that many of them. Like she's yeah. like, she's in like some, in, I don't even know. There's something called craft theater, which I probably should have looked up what that was, but she I did a, a, a well-received anthology series presenting live to oh, live TV drama type of thing. Okay. So I did like 11 episodes of that spanning from like 1949 to 1956 uh and so like she did that like both before like both before and after and just had other different tv things that like kind of spanned both ways like similar things to that which i guess kind of makes sense based on the kind of sets we saw we saw her on but like you know who knows like there's a version of their marriage where maybe it goes differently and she doesn't sacrifice as much and like she still has a longer career even while having kids even if like that probably was unfortunately a little bit more of a you know a drag on their careers in that time than it is today and I, I, I do think like, so obviously there's two parts to it. One, like just the basic, like, you know, she has to like live with like the, the you know, the embarrassment of, you know, and I, I, I hesitate to even use that word, but like has to live with like, you know, him, her husband having a wondering eye and maybe not uh, being, you know, as, you know, in the, in the marriage from a romantic perspective as he, she would have liked. And, and she has to deal with like what that means for her lifestyle and what yeah. it means for her personally. And what, and she probably maybe feels that like, I mean, they, there was a discussion about her, like possibly seeing other people when they're separated. Uh, but like she did, you know, she genuinely did. They even show mm -hmm. the guy in the movie. She genuinely had an affair with somebody else at the beginning of their relationship. They were engaged. Oh, the they Richard Hart guy. Yeah. 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 And, but, but so I forgot, what, was was that was was that the guy that they Sarah Silverman was trying to introduce her to at the theater, or was that someone else? That was the guy that Sarah Silverman was trying so, to introduce her to the, the, at the theater. The, the, so okay, so that that guy that was the married guy that they talked about. Okay, I think I forgot the name, even though I I, I looked it up and I knew she had, like had some other kind of involvement with the guy. But the movie didn't really get it that into that until they then had the fight later on, and she talked about like took you forever to get them to try and marry me, and I that's Richard really liked me or whatever. But I was almost talking about later in life uh, when they when she has the lunch with Sarah Silverman and she's like, "Tell me about the date." And it turns out she like thought she was on a date with a guy who also turned out to be gay. And so like that, that presents its own set of challenges when you feel like you have to go look elsewhere for intimacy. Um, and I thought, I thought like that, that part of the movie was pretty well developed. Like you see her watching him holding the guy's hand at the, at that, at that show and having yeah. to deal with him bringing the, this guy. And I, apparently the Gideon look, the guy getting played actually was a big enough deal that he had his own, um, had, has his own Wikipedia page. I just forgot his name. His name is Tommy. Yeah. Co I, I it was Tommy Cothran. Um, well, well, and, and I'll tell you that I, I think that she's sort of, she, she, I think in a way, there was a moment where she realized that he can love her, but he still can have his own sexual identity, you know, and, and I think that that was the, it was definitely the norm more back then than it is now. Now people either just have open marriages um, or they get divorced, right? Um, yeah. But think about the times back then, especially for such a public figure, and especially if, if he genuinely, obviously, you know, the movie can be very subjective because they're not going to besmirch his, his character. Um, but especially if, if he genuinely did love her, mm. right? Who, who's for us to say, you know, I think that this is a glimpse into, um, into their marriage, but I could definitely, you know, be said that there is a fictionalization there, because I don't think that there's going to be any, 
it's it's not that the, that it's not a true story. Um, it's that it's not for us to say whether or not it's true. If that's the story that his family wants to depict, then let them depict. Oh yeah, that. no, I I I'm take I'm totally taking it as face value as like all stuff that actually happened. I'm just saying I feel like yeah. the movie spent more time on that and just th- that effect on her and how it made her feel than it maybe did in her professional life. And I could have almost. You know, to, to the extent this is about to be about is supposed to be about a couple and someone that like made herself unfortunately too subservient to like you know the quote unquote great man who like an ingenious that like had to go do all these things and we see, we see that erupt in the Thanksgiving fight and like clearly that yeah. she's been like holding on to a lot of stuff putting up with this bullshit and um and, and just has always had to deal with him like you know putting himself first and I think it, it gets at that pretty well I I'm just my my thing would be like I would have liked to have seen. Uh, oh, like again, like there's. I, I was talking about that thing about the IMDb credits, but there's like not that many though. After 1951, there's just more of them there. So it's like she did work, but like she caught, probably could have worked a lot more. It's like they had like you know, it's it, it they had d- done their marriage a little differently, but she she sacrificed for them. And I almost she, she didn't. She sacrificed for the family. And, also, and I, 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 those children. Right now, I just maybe would have been happy to see a little more of that and have a little more talk about what her career was. We learned she's an actress. We see her a couple of times, like people going to talk to her at work. We don't really hear that much else about it after that. Like I w- would have been interested to hear about like her making the decision that, of like to do less work or maybe missing out on something for one reason or another because of it. I, I, I'm not I'm not saying they should have created something like that if it didn't happen. But like, you know, I think there could have been a little bit more of her and how she felt about like that side of her life and that would have almost made it all the more tragic to like kind of see yeah like how things went ultimately um but like uh it's 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 a smaller critique in the grand scheme of things but that's one i've heard more people make almost like those are the two things i've heard and i i had to think a little bit more about it as to like whether or not they they did enough with her as a character to like totally earn it being a movie about a marriage when you don't really see a lot about that side of her life you just kind of see like the the negative side effects of like all the stuff lenny is doing to her from a one could argue that that was her experience Mm mm-hmm seriously one one could argue that her experience in real life was that even in the movie that's supposed to be also about her life she's she's a second fiddle that's it that's an interesting way of looking at it for sure um and 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 again i I say all that to say but i'm still saying like that so that that thanksgiving scene was uh very powerful stuff that could just end up being it could be both of their oscar reels i mean that's probably hers and his is probably the symphony scene uh but the, I, th- I think Snoopy should also get an Oscar for his little, I, very I, very well well done uh, parade float so, that's so, just flying by under um, Central Park West apartment. Yeah, so I noted when I when I went when I went back and watched it again, and like I mean it's hilarious when he like shows up at the first point and he's like who left Snoopy in the vestibule like that's a great line, but then but like, <laughs> but, like Snoopy in the vestibule. <laughs> but, but but like when when they're fighting like the kids start getting excited again like oh Snoopy's coming I would have rather that not happened and then. And like it just been out of nowhere, Snoopy just floats by. Like I thought that would have been even funnier. But like it, it, it's a great joke in like a in like kind of like it doesn't it doesn't really undercut the the, dr- the drama of that moment and the intensity of it. It's just but it's just like a funny capper to it. But it doesn't it's not unearned. We know like they where their apartment is located. It makes sense that like maybe the, I'm sure the parade did go by their apartment. I'm sure they had a fancy Manhattan apartment. No, no, no. Genuinely speaking, Josh, I'm not even joking. Um. Based off of where they, I'm putting in quotations, filmed that based off of where it was supposed to be, I literally said to Dustin, I'm like, that's supposed to be Central Park West. I bet you that they lived in Central Park West. Sure enough, he lived in the Dakota building. 
which is in Central Park West, and also where John Lennon was murdered. Yeah, I knew that. So did the I heard I, I missed it. I heard someone say that there was some reference to John Lennon in the movie. I think I missed that. Uh, or I, um, I didn't I didn't catch that. Not one necessarily, not, not, not necessarily his murder, but just at some point, I thought I heard someone. I thought I heard someone say something. It about was that. based off of where they were showing that. It, I was like, I know the I know New York, right? So I'm like, that's Central Park West. So like, so 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 the, where they were. So, so the the Macy's Parade goes north to south. Then I guess Macy's Parade starts. Um starts a little bit further north and west from there goes down central park west like there's like a, a curvature down central park west and then it goes through um uh, uh not times square it might be times square down to macy's and macy's is south of times square i don't remember the cross street like 34th or something mm-hmm. Okay. So it goes so, down it, there. I don't, it, I don't it, it does, Assuming that they did have a building. Uh, 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 wait, you said they lived at the Dakota? They lived at the Dakota. Okay, so assuming, like, assuming, I, I looked it up afterwards because I was oh. so sure that that's where they were, that was supposed to be, like Central Park West. Okay. So, yeah, so, not, so I'm not patting myself on the back right now. No, 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 I'm just saying. So, I'm very proud of myself. <laughs> gotcha. So, but, but like, it, it tracks to you. Like, the, they, they, got, they got the geography of that scene right. Apparently, apparently, I, 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 actually filmed some of the scenes at not necessarily that specific apartment, but they filmed at his home. Oh, the the Connecticut home. I think so. Yeah, yeah that, that that would that would make sense. I think I I think I I think I had heard that too. Um, but yeah, so like I I just think they uh again my point being in that scene, I don't think her anger was unearned. It's just I think they could have even done more to like give her even more to do. Like, I think we, we just eat, maybe before we started recording, like we were talking about like, you know, Oscar stuff and if she should be like best actress. And like, I, I don't know, like, yeah, that scene is great, but I don't think she would be my first choice. I would have rather them given her a, a little, a, a little more meat on the bone. Not that like, you know, having her have a whole cancer storyline, uh, which I mean, again, that had to be a part of this movie. It's like, she has stuff to do. It's just like, I, and there's a, a, a during that sequence too, there's one where it's like, I think the, camera stays on her pretty unbroken for a while as she has takes visitors and stuff like that so she, i don't want to shortchange oh, it was carrie, heartbreaking yeah i don't want to shortchange carrie mulligan too much i just think there was like i thought there was a little bit of meat on the bone maybe with you know uh her, her, the, 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 what, she, what what she had to give up for that relationship because that's clearly what the movie wants to be about like the price that this woman had to pay to allow this man to do what he had to do but at the same time it's not that simple because like yeah it's not it doesn't it doesn't really vilify him necessarily like it's still you still like don't you it's they're not out to get him that way and i don't think the kids would have signed off on the movie if that's what it was but like it, i i think they they understand what their mom went through and they're fine with this version of it where and, 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 and it's, it's it's just clear that like you know this guy had some problems and it, it, it took its toll on his family but at the same time like you know he it wants to show you all sides of him so it just by virtue of that you know it you don't, you don't you don't hate him despite what he put Felicia through. I think that also though, like you know, and I and I think the the whole thing about his sexuality has something to do with that too. Like you know, it's a, a big part of him that like you know because of the times he couldn't explore. So like it's like yeah. that, that 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 alone like you know it makes him a little more sympathetic. I don't think the movie that's another point I want to make, and I was curious about it. What you thought? Uh, again, we're we're not 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 a hundred percent the best people to speak on it when we're not part of that community necessarily. But like, I don't think it really vilifies homosexuality either. You know, sometimes in, when things handle this subject matter, like they turn the wife into someone that is like, you know, is like more horrified about the fact that the spouse is gay than just like, you know, the fact that like the marriage is over or something like that. They treat that as like a sin. And I don't think the movie does that. It's like it, it, she, she makes the comment about being a lonely queen, but like it doesn't feel like it's a below the belt homophobic comment in the moment to me necessarily more just like you're losing your family because of what you're doing. 
you know. Yeah, and I think that again, it was just a different time back then, and I think that mm-hmm. the it was more frowned upon to get a divorce than it was to just kind of go through the marriage and you know be be okay with the fact that um your husband has affairs right and Mm -hmm. if you look at also just the arts in general it was it was such a common practice back then Mm -hmm. that men would be married to someone who essentially was a beard Mm -hmm. um and and that just is how it was back then i mean it was just a a common place thing and there's nothing about that that speaks negatively about the lgbtqia plus community there's nothing about it that speaks negatively over um felicia montalegre bernstein uh for turning a blind eye it just was what it was i i agree and i and and i don't think i even necessarily said it like i think she plays all of those notes like uh very well yeah. and you know it's um and it's like i can and I, I think her voice is a little funny at times but like i can i can almost and i can almost be forgiven is not not her being like a brit trying to do that because we've seen her do plenty no, of girls she's, that, she, she's a, she, like uh, felicia's a mutt it just comes from all sorts of places I, I, bet you, I bet she'd have a funny voice you know yeah yeah i i think that she actually probably did a very decent job like she mm-hmm. she sounded like a foreigner mm-hmm genuinely like i thought that I, I thought her accent was great actually i thought that that was in my in my opinion there was nothing flawed about her performance whatsoever i think she was really good and like has the right like i said before i i i, I i'd seen a couple of places you know like think maybe hey he didn't they didn't handle the sexuality part of it well but i thought like the way that she played it made it clear that like yeah it, she's just a victim of the a victim of the circumstances he put her in and she you know is trying to like express herself as well as she could but it didn't come off as like I think she came off as sympathetic as she should. And it's, yeah. uh, uh, it's just, like I said, I, I, I could have even used more of her life uh, to like, you know, kind of uh, just support that part of the story. Um, what, 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 what else, what, what else did we, uh, I guess we didn't t- t- talk about the music like that much more yet to the extent there was, yeah, like we, we, well, I mean, we talked about a little bit how Dustin really loved that corner of the movie, but like, you know, did you, did you have any, I mean, that's just such a big set piece, the one in the cathedral. Did, did you have any other feelings about the music that we didn't really get to? Because I, again, like I said, I, who am I to speak to like whether or not Bradley Cooper got that right? Uh, but like, I, I believe him when he says he does. It seems like he obsessed over this. And I thought that was like a very, very, uh, you know, I thought that was a very, very uh, powerful scene. And like, you know, like, like and, and that was the other point I wanted to make, though, is that you were saying how Dustin, um, you know, uh, c- could have had more of it. I think there is a version of a movie about him that is not a cradle to grave biopic that like is something like um have you ever have you ever seen steve jobs yeah or something like that or like uh or even like a or something like the movie the, the movie jackie like one of those it's like really takes a small slice of someone's life or a few slices of someone's life like you could do something where it's like what if it followed three performances of his and like you know gave you like you know the day leading up to that and what was going through his life at the time like there's a way to do a movie that's like i more just focused don't on music. It I, I'm, not, that I, I, nuance no i'm not say, I'm, I'm not saying i need that movie instead i'm just saying there is a version where it's like that, that that i think would still be i think there's a version that would still be compelling if they wanted to do something like that but i'm fine with the movie bradley cooper set out to make anyway and it's just I, I, that's just my way of saying like i think he handled the music well and i could have i could have spent more time there but i didn't really need it you know Oh, and I'll tell you, one one would argue that the amount of film work that Leonard Bernstein has already done mm-hmm. uh, to showcase the conducting prowess that he has um, 
I mean, that's already very, very well documented. I, I, I think basically what Bradley Cooper is trying to say is I'm never going to be able to conduct. I'm not here to conduct. Oh, I don't but know. Let's if you just think... try a six and a half. He actually can. And yeah, there's actually the like, I've read it, yeah. articles that's saying that he should actually try and see if he can take that up because he was so good that he actually conducted that freaking orchestra for six and a half minutes. No, I heard him unbroken. say in an interview. I, I think I heard him saying, I think it was either in his interview with Spike Lee or somewhere, one other place maybe. I can't remember where. He was like, the first time they did it, like he didn't do a good job. And then they had to call it a day and he was really mad at himself. And then the next day they they, they got it right on like the next try. And like one of the, yeah. one of the people, like, I think he was actually like conducting like, I don't remember. He which, was. He was the genuinely real, the, conducting the, the, that orchestra. Right. I don't remember which orchestra that is. Um, the, the one in I don't I don't remember which one the one in the church is, but I think like the, the, like he said one of the members came up to him and was like, oh no, yeah, you weren't that good yesterday, but you did a really good job today. Like he even got a legit, you know, yeah, he actually got like a legit like uh, comp- compliment on it. It was like, no, you did that. So like, good for him. <laughs> I, I I I listen. Like he spent six and a half years not only learning how to conduct period but learning how to conduct like somebody who i again just watch some videos of him him doing it and you'll get it he does it with such like a like a like a liveliness that it is theater that's what made him so compelling to watch is that the way that he conducted if you go to if you ever want to go see um a philharmonic you're not paying attention to the maestro you're Mm -hmm. i mean like you you hope that the performance is good but you're not paying attention to the man or the woman themselves if you are if you are if you are and they're not being totally ridiculous it might be because they did something wrong yeah exactly um but in in his experience the reason why he had this this magnetic you know attraction for people was because of how he did it um and there was a reason why he was on tv conducting for conducting he wasn't playing the instrument he was conducting Mm -hmm. and and i think that there is a lot to be said about the fact that for him it was he goes up and he does the performance and then he goes down but he's the people who are doing the work are, are the instrumentalists, hmm. you know? Yeah. So it, it's different than something like Tar where, you know, she's, she's going and she's conducting, um, but it has to, the, the whole story has to do with what the price that she paid for that was. Like, what was the price for her gift? And the price for her gift was, the fact a that she lied about being Leonard Bernstein's uh, uh, protege. <laughs> I, don't, I, don't, I don't remember that part of the movie. That was the whole conflict. That at the end of the movie, it turns out that the reason how she learned how to conduct is because she watched his tape. Oh uh, no! I I I I remember thinking your downfall was more like you know the inappropriate that, sexual actions and that. Like, attacking that guy. Right. I, I don't know. If she got. I didn't remember her getting outed as lying about her relationship with her. No, I, she I, wasn't I, outed for it, but it was it was that she was basically bursting as the themes because her entire life was a lie. Hmm. Her name wasn't even Lydia Tar. 
Well, yeah, I, I remember that part. I didn't, I didn't remember there being any discussion about her lying about it. I thought maybe she just was watching. No, no, they didn't, dis- they didn't discuss oh, okay, okay. it, but oh, okay. that it ended up being unraveled that and probably came came to pass at some point in the future um, that the reason why she unraveled and why she was being haunted was not just because of her indiscretions was because of the fact that this entire composed life that she that I did that word intentionally haha composed <laughs> um um but it was a lie that she she never was Bernstein's protege mm, okay right I, yeah I mean I I I, I I guess I just took that at face value in the movie and I, I, I didn't assume it was a lie um or oh yeah I, it was a lie say it, it was, was a missing okay totally fake yeah okay, well, um, well, good, good for but, her but, though good good for her for you know being good enough to just be able to teach herself by watching him you know <laughs> i know i know but, but, that, but the reason why i'm saying is because like at the end of the day like when you're when you're watching this movie and when you're you're seeing it for the first time like they, that might be the first time that you ever see conducting in that art form it's right. not like you know we we didn't grow up watching you know the these tv shows so a lot of people they might not understand why you would want to watch somebody conduct. And then mm-hmm. the the pivotal scene where he conducts in the in the cathedral and it's incredible. If the entire movie were like that, I think that people would be bored to tears. I I think that I and and I do think like that there is another world where that is what the movie is about, but I, if if you're asking me, just just watch YouTube videos of him conducting it's you can't replace the original the original is the best for a reason yeah well any other final thoughts Maya, on my show um definitely oscar bait i hope it gets cinematography um anything else i don't think that this is i mean like it could be the year of bradley's first oscar um but there's a good there's a good chance it gets nominated for picture and actor it sounds like he's probably not getting yeah. nominated for best director even though like, i think it's well directed i should note that you said it's uh cinematography is shot by matthew Labatik, who did uh he did uh a star is born but also such great films such as venom so that guy contains multitudes uh you know <laughs> the uh but like I, I i i would just add myself that like i again i i think that you know yeah they're different like you said there are different things this movie could have been about but i think that you know, above all else, I think it pro- it probably is about like what what is what, what is the cost of being married to a guy like this? And you know, I don't I, I credit to the movie because he got the cooperation from the kids. Credit to me for not trying to downplay his ego and his like need for attention because you know I think that's one of the things that comes out during their fight is like he he always has to be around people and all that. And not not that Felicia is trying to be an introvert or anything like that, but just it seems like he all on top of like you know having a string outside the marriage from a you know uh you know a sexual perspective it just it does seem like he is they, sh- they, they did show him like getting into drugs a little bit too and like being at parties like that and stuff like that and it just seemed oh, like yeah he constantly needed some kind of stimulation of all kinds and and wasn't maybe even necessarily meant to just like live a quiet domestic life at home and and like you know and and she had to deal with the consequences of that because he always needed to be around people and getting that kind of energy and i think if not we talked a lot about his performance i think his performance does a good job of reflecting someone that like has those kind of like, you know, emotional needs. And I think, you know, and I think that goes to like, you know, just what the, what, what the conflict at the heart of the movie is with this marriage. And I think for the most part, I feel like they, I feel like they did get it right. Even if I already did describe a few things, I, you know, thought that maybe they could have had a little more of, but overall I thought uh, they, they, they did a, they did a pretty good job, you know? Yeah. So, um, 
All right, Maya, before we, before we get out of here, though, anything else you've been watching recently that you would like to recommend to the listeners? Uh, yes, I would. And it's a quite an unorthodox opinion because uh, it has yeah. to do with the complete opposite of my interest in theater and movies because your girl has range. Um, if people here are sports fans and they haven't been catching the Miami Dolphins completely huh. destroying the NFL, please watch Hard Knocks. Um, it is going to be the first time that they're going to be able to film a team in season actually go to the playoffs. It is a joy of a show, whether or not you like or understand football, um, but it is a good story, especially if you're familiar with the fact that the Dolphins have not won a Super Bowl in 51, 51 years. years. So yeah, um, you, know, you never know. You know what I would say to that too is that like I probably um, – I never watched – before I, mean, I think it's only the, what the is you said the first time they've been able to follow one in season going to the playoffs, but I think it might only be like the first or second year of even doing an in season hard knocks. And I, but I never watched the ones out of the season because or the preseason ones because I just didn't want to watch guys getting cut. You know that that is a part of those yeah. where they call and I'm just like that's too sad. I, I, I have too much other stuff to watch. I don't need to do this. So maybe I would appreciate that, like you know, getting inside the locker room version of this when it's like we don't have to watch guys like have their futures like go up in flames. That's for I, I think that they should be doing more of this, but you're right. They haven't done it in season that often, but mm. you know, the fact remains that they're getting a rare opportunity of filming a team who has faced a lot of adversity um, in, in their franchise history, finally getting their shot at a playoff run that is hopefully going to bode well for them and i'm a i'm a superstitious person so i'm gonna stop it there because i have season tickets and i would like to go to some home games yeah i would also say shout out to the dolphins for um finally deciding to beat a good team when they played the cowboys who as an eagles fan i don't like that was like kind of the one drawback or critique of this miami dolphins team this season up until recently was that like all their wins have been against pretty not good teams for the most part and like when they played good teams they hadn't won but as an eagles fan i wanted the cowboys to lose and the dolphins finally beat a good team so shout out to the dolphins fins up uh my uh my, my recommendation i uh I've in just like the last week, I basically like watched, got almost all the way caught up on uh, Fargo season five. And I I've watched every season of Fargo, but like, this is easily the best in season two. I wasn't, wasn't super big on two or three and, and, uh, or excuse me on three or four. And this is like a return to form. It's really fun. Has Juno Temple playing a very different kind of character and kind of like the lead role and very different from what you know, if you know her from, if you only know her from Ted Lasso, John Hamm playing the villain, which is fun. So uh, just a, a, a very, and a bunch of other like supporting people that you've seen in other different kind of roles, Jennifer Jason Lee playing somewhat of a villainous character, but that might be changing. I'm not really sure at the point I'm at at the season. So a, a, fun, a fun combination of folks in like a, what feels like a more traditional Fargo story than the last two, which I mean, were very, you know, had high ambitions, but just didn't really work for me. And I'm really excited that like, I'm enjoying the show again, because I really loved it the first two seasons. Um, I, I yeah, that, that, that's it. So uh, I hi- highly recommend uh, Fargo season five on, you can get it on Hulu. And uh, yeah, um, as usual, Maya is, uh, you know, uh, incognito, doesn't have social media. You can find me at Josh Chernovoy, J-O-S-H-J-U-R-N-O-V-O-Y on both Twitter and Letterboxd. Podcast email is rewindmoviepod at gmail.com. Podcast Twitter is at rewindmoviepod. Coming up next on the podcast, you might have an episode on May, December, might have something on uh, Wonka, might have something on uh ferrari or 
good uh, poor things. I'm just again, as usual, don't know what order it's coming out in. Scheduling is all funky around the holidays, but we will have one or two things coming out in the next week for you. So I want to thank Maya again for joining us as always. I want to thank everyone for listening and we'll see you next time.